Hello and welcome to Storehouse 7 Ministries and today we are working through Revelation chapter 14 and today is episode 2 of chapter 14 and today is all about the three angels. So let's get started. So we're going to look at verse 7 of chapter 14 and he said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and springs of water. So we have here an angel proclaiming the message of God to the nations. We do not know if the angel with the loud voice is heard by the people of the earth or whether he's prophetically proclaiming it over the nations. I personally would conjecture that the people of the earth do hear his words. I just cannot see that in the earth's darkest hour, when the greatest deception and evil is manifest, that God would just allow everyone to go to hell without a witness to his goodness and gospel. That is not the nature of God. Ezekiel 18.23 says, Do I take pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Sovereign Lord? Rather, I am I not pleased when they turn from their evil ways and live? <clears throat> 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, the NIV. The angel proclaims an interesting message to the people of the earth. It's a clear but a tough message, a message fit for the times in which it is given. The message begins with the words, fear God. To fear God does not denote being in terror of a living God. That is reserved for the damned at the judgment. To fear God is to revere him, honour him, to esteem him highly and give him the respect and honour that the creator of the earth and heaven rightly deserves. It is this kind of fear which the scriptures encourage and such fear is the path to wisdom which leads to the path of life which is Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Proverbs 1.7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. From these three passages, we can see that the angel is desirous that the people of the earth understand that fearing God is essential to understanding knowledge, wisdom, and to fear God is to turn from wickedness to righteousness. The next statement the angel says is to give him glory, to give him due honour, respect and love that he so rightly deserves, for he is both king of the universe and is a kind and generous God. The angel is asking people to open their eyes and to stop and think and realize that what they think God is like is likely to be a lie and to see the truth of God and his loveliness. The angel warns that the hour of his judgment has come, the hour of God's judgment that is. It is here interesting to pause on the term hour as in the length of time an hour. There are some who state that if seven of Daniel's 70 weeks equates to seven years, then it possibly equates that the day of the Lord lasts for a year and the hour of judgment lasts for approximately two weeks. Now, some may think this is stretching the text and reading into it something that could just be merely symbolic, but there is some biblical precedent for it. Um, personally, I don't particularly see it as either way, but I'll put out some scriptures here, and it is of interest. Numbers 14.34, the Israelites will uh, wander for 40 years in the wilderness, one for every day, spent by the spies in Canaan. <coughs> 
excuse me, in Ezekiel 4, verses 5 to 6, the prophet Ezekiel is commanded to lie on his left side for 390 days, followed on his right for 40 days to symbolize the equivalent number of years of punishment on Israel and Judah, respectively. Daniel 9, 24-27. This is the prophecy of the 70 weeks. The majority of scholars understand the passage to refer to 77s or septets of years. That is a total of 490 years. Warning of the hour of judgment has come. There is now a call for the nations to worship God. The God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and springs of water. A call to worship God could be understood in one of two ways, or could mean both. A call to worship Creator God is possibly a call to love, worship, adore, and come into relationship with the living God, or it's a call to all mankind to rightly give praise and worship to whom it is due, not to a mere man who is a prophet of Satan, aka the Antichrist. The angel also mentions aspects of creation, earth, sea and springs of water. Here the angel is pointing out God's goodness, kindness, providence and provision for man. Revelation 14.8 And another angel, a second one, followed saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. So here we have two angels now. The first proclaims a message of repentance to worship the one true good God, whilst... The second angel announces the impending sentence for destruction of the great Babylon to be utterly destroyed. Now here the second angel announces the judgment upon Babylon and quotes directly a prophecy given in the book of Isaiah. Here is the full quote from Isaiah 21 verses 9 to 10. Now behold, here comes a troop of riders, horsemen in pairs, and one said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon, and all the images of her gods are shattered on the ground. O my threshed people and my afflicted of the threshing floor, what I have heard from the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I make known to you. The concept of Babylon fallen is an Old Testament one which spans various prophecies in Isaiah and Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah 51 verse 8, Suddenly Babylon has fallen and been broken. Wail over her. Bring balm for her pain. Perhaps she may be healed. The Old Testament has so much to say over the destruction of Babylon. The direct requotes throughout the book of Revelation link the New Testament prophecy back to the original Old Testament prophecies. And this is primarily why I personally believe that at the end of days we will see the rise of both a spiritual and literal Babylon, which God will destroy in judgment. Babylon has always been a consistent place and, uh, and theme throughout the scriptures. It starts back in Genesis where we have the site of the Tower of Babel. We have Nimrod, the mighty hunter, according to tradition, founded Babylon and its culture right through to the book of Revelation. The, the story of Babylon is always popping up. Babylon in the biblical text has always meant the same thing, always in the same place, always the same spirit behind it. It therefore stands to reason that as the Bible is one book, not two, that The theme of Babylon must remain consistent. It remains an actual place in the land of modern day Iran, just like all of the scriptures referring to Israel, always referring to Israel, not the church, as some would like to say. Now, I appreciate that there are many spiritual Babylons out there. Some may say that the EU is a good example of which you could probably say that. Yet the current EU doesn't chop people's heads off for not believing in the Antichrist. However, the EU is a definite, does have a, a spirit of Babylon. Now, when I'm talking about 
the EU. I'm not talking about the good people of the EU. I'm talking about the governing structures of the EU. You know, for example, their main head office is actually uh, made of uh, some artist's uh, picture of the Tower of Babel. Um, and there's various other things that I could go into, but don't have the time to. But personally, I believe that Babylon will be a literal rising of Babylon again in Iran at the end of days. The reason for this is that Old Testament prophecy must be fulfilled, right? And that Old Testament and New Testament prophecy must align themselves into a consistent message and theme. <clears throat> the idea that the Old Testament is more literal and New Testament prophecy is kind of all airy-fairy spiritual is down to a weird understanding of covenant theology and a misunderstanding of prophecy itself. Another key point we can glean from Revelation 14.8 is that all the nations drink of the wine of the passion or wrath of her immorality. Babylon becomes such an influence at the end of days that many of the nations are guilty of Babylon's immorality and filth. Babylon, as she has done in the past, becomes the center for commerce and culture and becomes a world superpower in her affluence and influence. Revelation 14.9 Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. <clears throat> now we have a third angel being released to warn the earth that if anyone worships the beast and comes into contact and sorry not contact comes into covenant with him by receiving the covenant seal i.e the mark of the beast then eternal judgment is assured we understand from scripture that all the dead who deny christ will ultimately be thrown into the lake of fire however it seems those who take the mark get an extra level of punishment they are judged with the full strength of god's wrath they are tormented with fire and brimstone but unusually in the presence of the lamb and the holy angels. <clears throat> I've often thought that there may be a link to the Old Testament altar uh, with whole burnt offerings offered up in the flames of the altar and a link to that to hell. Hell is a place of eternal punishment where people are placed as the offering in fire for the transgressions they committed. Just as an animal was killed and destroyed by fire, the smoke that rose up to heaven was a fragrant aroma. Interestingly, in Revelation 14.11, it mentions something similar. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day and night. And those who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark uh, or the mark of his name. It is as though those people who take the mark of the Antichrist have a most terrible punishment of being a burnt offering, somehow in the presence of God and the angels, so that those who denied God to take the mark of the beast have to forever be reminded of how lovely and good God is and how they utterly rejected him and thus burn day and night for eternity, being tormented by fire and the joy that they could have had in eternity if they'd chosen Jesus over the mark of the beast. Sadly, some will take the mark of the beast out of cowardice and wanting to live an easy life. Such thinking will bear the most awful of eternal ramifications, ramifications which they will be reminded by and tormented by forever and ever and ever. Yes, I know, I'm a cheery soul, aren't I, today? Revelation 14, 12. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. 
This verse is to encourage the saints to not lose heart during the great tribulation, to remind them to persevere and not relent to the beast system. God has revealed the future of those who take the mark. This is in part to enable the saints to remain vigilant in their struggles at the time in future history. And that's all we've got time for there today. Uh, next week, we will carry on where I'll talk a little bit more about the perseverance of the saints. But uh, until then, uh, be blessed and may God strengthen you in your faith and be blessed when you read the book of Revelation. Don't be uh, in fear or terror of it as a book. It was written as a gift to the church so that the church may be forewarned and forearmed. And Jesus has given us this book and there's a blessing in reading this book. Man, I hope there's a blessing in teaching this book as well, because it's taken me two years just to get this far. But hallelujah. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today's talk, Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, Lord, that you always give man a chance, a chance to repent, Lord Jesus. You always give man a way out, Lord God. And Lord, I thank you. But we also thank you that you are a just God and a righteous God and a holy God, Lord Jesus. And that those that reject you, Lord Jesus, have signed their own death warrant. And Lord, it's, you take no pleasure and no delight in the punishment of, of even wicked sinners, Lord. But Lord, I pray that in these days and in the future days when, when it will be the day of the great tribulation, Lord God, that your church will rise up and be a people that will share your gospel, do it valiantly and do it boldly. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, everyone. See you again soon. Bye-bye.